Welcome to Theory Paranormals, episode three. I am Pax, your host, with Dalton, my fellow team member of Theory Paranormal. And today's podcast episode, we're going to be talking about a variety of equipment that we have used when we have went investigating in the field. So without further ado, I will present you with Dalton, and he will get us started. How you doing today, Pax? Doing pretty good, pretty good, Dalton. So from what I understand, you are out and about right now with uh, what you do in your normal adulting life. Uh, so you are actually called in right now while we are doing this podcast session. That I am calling from Indiana today. All right. All right. Good stuff. So uh, so if they hear weird stuff, it's not because I'm on a you know regular mic. I'm on a headset talking, so I might sound a little weirder than normal. All righty. Well, I always tend to think that I was, you know, the better sounding one out of both of us, but that's just me. <laughs> well, yeah, you can you can pat yourself on the back, it's no problem. <laughs> but so, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some gear, uh, you know, different gear that we've used, um, and then what kind of experiences we've had using that gear, if any, um, and then probably talk a little bit of history and and uh, technology, the technical end of some of the gear too, as well, right? Yep, that's uh, that's that's what I believe our, our focus is today. So, uh, with that with that being said, what's uh, what's what's a piece of uh, equipment that you used uh, when you investigated the paranormal, and you actually enjoyed using? And uh, tell the uh, the followers and listeners why. Um, I've used quite a bit of equipment. I don't really think I have a favorite, though. To be honest with you. Um, a lot of the gear, I, I guess, like an interesting piece of gear I can, I can, off the top of my head, talk about is the Mel meter. You know, the Mel meter is cool because it gives off an ambient temp and it also acts as an EMF detector at the same time. But the story behind the Mel meter is pretty interesting. I don't know if you know the story behind that. Okay, go ahead and share. What's 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 the story about? Well, the Mel meter eighty seven oh four. Um, this guy Gary. Uh, he was a electrical engineer and his daughter passed away and he was, the shows come out and he was watching some of the shows. And so he decided to build some test equipment. He started testing out different equipment to try to communicate with his daughter. You're referencing, and, uh, you're referencing paranormal shows on TV at the time. Yeah. That's where he kind of, you know, after she had passed, he was watching some of the shows and he, caught on to how what they were doing like they were using different types of gear to communicate with with the other side so being that he was an electrical engineer he started creating his own stuff that he kept trying out to to communicate with her and it was right around her birthday i believe that um they got a lot of communication it seems like Every birthday, there's some kind of communication, like something would move in the house or or the keys would be in another location. You know what I mean? It's something she was doing to try to, you know, lights flickering or whatever to try to communicate. So long story short, he created this Mel Meter 8704. Now, 87 was the year that she was born, and 2004 was the year that she died. Oh. Um, so that – and they call it a Mel Meter because her name – was uh melissa okay 
and her nickname was Mel, so he named it the Mel Meter 8704. So um, I thought that was a pretty interesting story on how that was that that device came to came to be. Yeah, I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm definitely personally familiar with it. It's uh, it's one of the better electromagnetic frequency detectors uh, I personally use. You know, like you, you did state, it does do uh, dual fold between detecting the EMF fields and detecting uh, temperature at the same time. Uh, I know that there's a few variety of models that have been, uh, you know, made over the years. Um, the reason why I liked it specifically, because if I can have a device that does multiple things at the same time, that's less for me to lug around when I'm doing investigations. And it's nice to be able to have real-time measurements scientifically accurate to see what's what i've had some equipment in the past where you know they say they gauge the temperature in the ambient environment and stuff and not so much unfortunately which kind of made things a little bit more difficult when you're trying to get a precise read so well the millimeter here too also you know it you know our zero zero point two is our baseline for um, we, detecting what uh detecting uh the emf electric magnetic fields okay um, when we walk around, cause you know, when we do an investigation, uh, we'll walk around <clears throat> with the K2 or an EMF detector and we'll find the hot spots. could be a leaking, uh, electrical outlet, a leaking light switch. And that way at night when all the lights are out, um, if we're walking past that area and, and our K2 or our EMF goes off, then we know, okay, where are we? Are we standing near the electrical leak that we found? So on the millimeter, our base reading is always 0 0.2. I think it's every, everywhere we've been was like 0 0.1, 0 0.2 is like a flat line. There's nothing there. And a lot of times when we investigate, we can have the millimeter sitting there. I've had it sitting there, and you know as well as I do, um, you happen to look down and you're getting like a 1.6 or a 3.2 or yeah. whatever. It's a really high number and you're sitting in the middle of a room and you're not near an outlet or any kind of electrical switch or anything. Yep. And what's cool about that is that <clears throat> you can actually have the entity or the spirit adjust that. So let's say you're, you're sitting at, 1.2 and you say hey can you drop that to 0 0.7 and they'll actually drop it to 0 0.7 or they'll raise it say you, you want to go to 1.8 or 2.0 they'll raise it to 2.0 the other cool thing like you mentioned is the ambient temperature because they can also play with the temperature they can make that temperature a little warmer or a little cooler however you want and that's how you know that you're you're basically dealing with the, an intelligent entity not a you know not nothing else so I think that's pretty cool with that device there. Yep, most definitely. I think uh, for myself, uh, a device that I appreciated uh, back in the day, there was this big kick on these things called spirit boxes. And I kind of touched based on it on a previous uh, of our podcasts um, or, or ghost box or radio box, depending on, you know, uh, if, if you're familiar with any of those phrases. Yeah, Frank's box, spirit box. Um, so 
with the particular item that I used very in the very first in the beginning um, was a uh, a PSB7 spirit box. And the reason why I really appreciated this box <clears throat> because you could actually control how quick it jumps, the frequencies around. And it's small, it's portable. You could put uh, an earphone in it if you wanted to. It was backlit, lit up. And uh, it was really nice because it, it, it didn't take up a lot of space. I could put it in my front pocket comfortably if I, if I wore blue jeans that were semi-tight even. Not skinny jeans, but just regular blue jeans. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> no skinny jeans. Usually preference is skinny jeans. It's, that's what he likes. But, uh, nope. <laughs> I like this particular. So you device. said the SB seven, the SB seven is what you used. Yep, yep. the The PSB seven sphere box, and okay. the reason why I liked it was because it had multiple options, and it was small form factor, and it did exactly what I needed, and it was loud enough to where you could hear uh, commentary coming back to you between the frequency jumps between the radio stations, nice and clear, and to being able to slow up or speed up the frequency of it jumping also really was nice. Uh, so as far as it goes for me, that was the very first item. Uh, as far as it goes for me getting into that aspect of using ghost box, radio boxes, spirit boxes, um, and, and listening and being able to hear things that, you know, you're sitting there in a room by yourself in an empty place nobody's around and you start getting relevant feedback to questions that you're throwing out there. One, two liners of, of words. You're like, you can't make this up. There's not somebody listening at a radio station chiming in, you know, <laughs> it, it's just right. so it's that, too awesome. So that there, that, so that skips through the FM and AM radio channels. Is that how it works? Correct. Uh, exactly that. Spirit boxes are made to where, um, if you were just in a car and you're listening to the radio and you say, okay, you want to just hit the seek button or next, and it just goes to the next frequency, which is the strongest signal, uh, then it's there. And the spirit boxes will just do that. And the theory is, in between going from one radio station to the next, you have dead space in the middle. And the dead space in the middle is where, hypothetically, spirits can take that energy of the radio stations because it's everywhere and put stuff back out that we can hear. We meaning humans. That's pretty neat. When but did you know that, um, that is cool. Cause I've, I've used the, uh, there's the S you got the, the SB seven, but they also have the SB 11. I believe it is that has two. It's like a dual box basically. Um, I've seen somebody use one before. I don't know if it actually worked as good as the the seven that you're talking about. I like I kind of like the seven a little bit better. But the Frank's box, have you ever heard of a Frank's box? Uh, yes, I have. So Frank's box, he came out with the Frank box in the Frank's box in like 2002, I believe it was. And that was like a little bit clearer communication. Not as clear as the satellite radio that we used that one time that we kept talking about how we wore our fingers out because we had to keep turning the knob 
Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. That, that was a, <laughs> that was a long night. <laughs> that was a very long night. And we, but we did get a full sentence out of that one. Um, but the one thing that's very interesting about a spirit box is that I believe back in 1920, I want to say 1920, uh, Thomas Edison actually dabbled in the paranormal and attempted to build a spirit box, which he also called a spirit phone <clears throat> to uh, try to communicate with the other side. I don't know if you knew that or not. I have done uh, research uh, in reference to the paranormals, actually going all the way back to the mid to early 1800s because I wanted to see chronologically how the paranormal uh, affected society and their opinions and viewpoints going all the way up to current day, actually. But I always appreciate hearing that particular fact about Thomas Edison because it's something I don't believe a lot of people are used to hearing. No, a lot of people don't actually know that Thomas actually dabbled with that and, and tried to create an actual uh, spirit box back in the in the 19... Well, I think it was 1920, I want to say, um, because the... Because the SPR, the Society for Physical Research, um, that was some early hunts by those folks back in the 19th century, I want to say. Um, but Thomas Edison, man, that's just, it's kind of a unique thing to learn that he actually dabbled with the paranormal. It makes you wonder, um, I'm looking for a certain word. I always get lost with words, but it just makes you wonder like, wow, Thomas Edison, you know, what is he known for? He created the light bulb. Okay. But did you know he dabbled in the paranormal? No, we did not. You know, that's what you get out of a lot of people. Yeah. You know, it, there's just so much information out there. It's, it's really, you know, daunting to try to keep tabs and track of all the developments and the changes over the times, you know? Uh, there's tons of amazing information. The internet is definitely our savior when it comes to research. Uh, so is local libraries, uh, historians, uh, professors at universities. It all depends on where we're at, what's going on, and what we have at our disposal uh, to be able to try to glean information to help us with our investigations. Yeah, and then some, some equipment like uh, dowsing rods. I don't trust a dowsing rod. Is something I probably would never use. Um, I watch somebody use them, and you just can't tell if, if it's a jerking motion from their fingers and they don't realize it. Um, because dowsing rods, you know, they normally are used to find water, buried metals, and stuff like that. Um, usually people will hold them, one in each hand, and then have the spirit try to turn them or whatnot. And to me... It's when you got something physically in your hand like that, I don't know if I trust that or not. How about you? Do you trust something like that? You know, the dowsing rods, the principles on that, you know, two pieces of metal, like Dalton said, uh, but it goes a little bit deeper than that. It goes to the ley lines that run across the earth, uh, which are natural principles of energy, if you want to call it that way. Uh, that literally envelop the earth in grid patterns and, and run from point A to point B well, across everywhere. There's multiple. And 
also they're affected by energy. Uh, yeah, you know, we all know energy that we learned in science is usually comprised of three different ways. It's either going to be a solid, it's going to be a gas or a liquid. Uh, also, namely, uh, dowsing rods can be affected by minerals, compositions, which is another form of energy. Um, I've seen p- multiple people use them, and sometimes they're very successful, and I've seen multiple people use them to where they do not work whatsoever. It's kind of like when you buy that battery, and you think you're all set to replace that battery that's bad at the house, and then you get home, and it doesn't work, and you're like, wait a minute. Well, that's a lot of how paranormal <laughs> equipment is. Sometimes it works as advertised, as you hope it is, as you've seen on TV. And sometimes it's just like, nope, dead on arrival, doesn't do anything. It's a great paperweight. So have you so have you personally like, you know, been on an investigation and had somebody use dowsing rods and you thought that you thought that that was a legit way to communicate with the spirits without them without them. Now, see, I could see like taking those rods and sticking them in something then with nobody holding on to them you know just put them in like a a holder and then have the spirit move those things you know what i'm saying well you see now you're getting into the part dalton where you're talking about manipulation of a form of using energy um you know uh, for the listeners a lot of people to think of energy they think of you know positive and negative electrons, uh, you got protons, you know, but it, it, it goes deeper than that. You have uh, energy with frequencies, okay? Frequencies of uh, UHF, VHF, uh, VLF, um, you know, alpha, beta, gamma rays, you know, it, it, the list goes on and on. So you have multiple things that can influence everything that's around us that we can touch, taste, smell, see, feel, or none of those, but yet it's still there. Um, I wholeheartedly believe, rather it's a dowsing rod or it's a different piece of equipment, that if the other side wants to convey something to you, they're going to make it happen, point blank. Um, and what do you think, what do you think though? I mean, because uh, we, we tested, didn't you test a theory like uh, – for the gamma, you're talking radiation. So it, 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 you know, for, for any, any of it, all of it is a form of energy. So that energy can be used in a manifestation way to make something happen. Because I mean, think about it. You have a car has a alternator to get your battery charged and all that good stuff. At the end of the day, that battery just sits there. That battery is there's main, yeah. main purpose is to give that car a jump start. Okay. So that battery is just energy. You can use that battery for multiple things besides just jump starting that car if you really need to. Pull it out and do a whole bunch of other things. But the reason why I brought up all those different modalities of energy is because they're different forms of expression for what I believe is the other side to be able to leech off of or take and use to assist them to do the different things they want to do potentially. I have and what do you think the most common, what do you think the most common, I mean, that's something that we're still, I mean, I'll let the listeners know that's something that we're still testing out. You know, what, what, 
first of all, you talked about frequencies a second ago. Mm -hmm. So we're also testing frequencies, but also what kind of energy they might be putting out to communicate. Um, well, you know, what they utilize to do things with versus what they put out, you know, I, yeah. Do you think they use something that's in the area or they like, okay. So like my soul, like, you know, is energy or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and I pass away and my energy travels out. Now my energy obviously ain't gamma. It wouldn't, wouldn't be considered like radioactive. It would be just considered what form of energy would you call that then? Well, here, the link credence to what Dalton's talking about, everybody, look at it like this. And this is a provable fact through science, through modern medicine. The CNS system of the human body or central nervous system actually yields a minute amount of literal electrical impulse energy that is measurable. Okay. So there is scientific equipment that they can literally jab into you, engage wherever they put the, uh, the two different probes, say your ankle all the way up to your upper thigh. They can gauge an electrical impulse of energy going from point A to point B. And they'll say, okay, this is working. It's going fine or it's not. The reason why I bring that point up is, is the human body does have its own form of energy. That's part of the nervous system and everything else. So what Dalton's saying at the end of the day, I believe, he would just wants to know where that energy goes. I believe uh, between studies that I've read about, uh, white papers that I've seen published on uh, medical periodicals and uh, different levels within the medical academia industry. Um, I believe eventually when someone passes away that that energy that's comprised in the body just dissipates. Um, it is a verifiable fact. It's measurable that they can see, and they meaning uh, medical professionals, uh, can see a, a drop in the amount of energy connectivity within the body after somebody, unfortunately, expires and passes away. So, so, so anyway, I was, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to get off subject here, but it's interesting. The, the energy aspect of it's interesting. So it's like kinetic energy. So we, we do have like a radiant energy, a thermal energy, electrical energy, sound energy. I mean, there's there's a few different types of energies I believe that the body can generate plays off of. Right. And and then you if you want to prescribe to the metaphysical realm, I mean, then you got tons of stuff, you know, at at disposal. I mean, then you can talk about energies with the chakras, which are different power points of of your core system on a metaphysical level if you believe in that. Um you have your etherical energy, which is around you. You have energy coming from the different planes or astral planes as they're uh, coined and talked about. And then different planes that aren't even astral. Um, for anybody that doesn't know uh, what I'm referencing at the moment, if and when you have time and you are curious about anything I just stated, please look up astral planes uh, and just do a little bit of research. And many, many people that are way more professional and astute in that genre and area of modality will have tons of information that you can glean from 
and become more knowledgeable about it. Um, so with that being said, Dalton, what, uh, what other piece of equipment have you used, uh, that you've really enjoyed? Um, well, of course I started, when I started out, I had a K2 meter, um, was probably one of the first devices I've ever used. Um, in fact, that was probably the only device when I started, I had one K2 meter. <laughs> and and, and uh, what, what, what exactly is a K2 meter? If you can uh, just paint the picture for everybody. Uh, it consists of both electric and magnetic charge. Um, kind of like what I said, you can, uh, electricians use them. Um, you can actually find uh, electrical leaks. Like if you're, your socket or your light switch is leaking. Um, you can actually detect the leakage because we'll go into it in another podcast, but the electrical, the EMF that it gives off can also play with your mind um, as far as, um, you know, the spiritual realm. Like you could think you'd be seeing things and you're not. That's why we do a base reading with that K2 because if we find like a whole panel that's leaking like crazy, then that's when we go to like the the medical side, which would be <clears throat> them just being exposed to a lot of EMF and they actually, they're not really seeing things. It's just the electric magnetic field. So K2, that's the first one I've ever bought and it has multiple colors on it. Of course, the higher it goes, it goes into an orange and a red color. But um, basically, if the energy when the energy that the the spirit gives off communicates, um, it can either go up really high or it can go low or it can go medium. But um, yeah, that's uh, pretty much like I told you before. I'm not really a tech guy, so <laughs> you got to bear with me on this stuff. But um, I will say that it was a, a very it's and to this day K2 meter is probably one of the most uh, useful tools that we have used. Um, have you ever had any good experiences with a K2 meter? I've had numerous experiences. I've had good experiences. I've had bad experiences and I've had mediocre experiences. Kind of reminds me of my date well, life in high school. Anyways. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, what's a bad experience you've had with a K2? What, what do you, what do you mean by that? Um, a bad experience with the K2 is you get false positives. And uh, what I mean by a false positive is, is you go into an area and you're getting activity and you're like, okay, this is really happening. Uh, for anybody that's not aware, when you go into do an investigation, you want to do preliminary readings. So you go in before you have any other gear or anything that's going on. Uh, you want to be able to walk around all the different locations, uh, in a clockwise fashion or counterclockwise, whatever, and suits the investigator. But you just want to go around and check everything out so you can see where the bleed areas are. You can see where the EMF is leaking or it's super strong uh, or not. So that way... So basically, the base reading, like I was talking about, the 0 0.2 or the... On a K2, you never, you're not, you don't have numbers. You just got lights, so... Right. So... <clears throat> um. At the end of the day, 
uh, I had a few experiences where I thought I was getting activity and come to find out uh, some of the power lines in this particular residence I was investigating, uh, they weren't wired correctly. They weren't grounded correctly. And because of that simple situation, the power lines were throwing out all sorts of extra energy that they normally would not do if they were grounded. Uh, now, is this an older house? Because, you know, older houses, they got the electrical running under the floor. <laughs> Actually, for this one, it was a newer house. Um, but oh, wow. It, okay. it, it was one of those situations of I have a friend of a friend of a friend that can cut you a deal if you want him to come in and do the wiring, you know? So it was one of those situations. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, so it probably wasn't even the proper wiring or insulating. Right. I, I mean, I, I've had I had an investigation where like the wire it was an older house, so all the wiring was run. A lot of it was run under you know underneath, mm-hmm. and so when you set the K two on the floor, um, and you know after a little while, it's like. It starts jumping, and then you realize, okay, this ain't jumping to my questions. Like, it's just randomly skipping. And <clears throat> so we kind of run it across the floor a little bit more, and then all of a sudden it peaks. And so we're like, hey, do y'all got, like, a crawl space or something under here? Because we didn't, you know, at that time, we didn't really care, nor ever figured out that all the wiring was run underneath the house like that. Well, come to find out, being it was under the house, of course, the so many animals were eating through the insulation on the wires. Oh no. Right. So it basically you got those wires and it was given <laughs> false signals. So I, I definitely know what you're talking about there. Yeah. And, and unfortunately to the detriment, that was the main issue ultimately was uh, bad wiring for that particular residence actually uh, was able to clarify some issues with dizziness and uh, individuals thinking they're seeing stuff out of the corner of their eye, uh, even one particular individual uh, feeling as if they had vertigo. Um, you know, at the end of the day, being an investigator, I am more than happy to go into a location and walk away and not have any activity whatsoever. But if I can identify the hows or whys of what's causing a problem and present it to the individual or, or people that we're trying to assist and say, here you go, and they're able to take corrective measures, it's it's all the same to me. I, I know uh, me and Dalton love going into environments and, and, you know, playing Sherlock Holmes and Watson and trying to figure things out, but it's not always cracked up to be, you know, chairs getting thrown, you know, sounds, uh, all these crazy hygiene you see on TV shows. It's not like that. Sometimes it's a really watered down and just very laissez-faire on, on what's going on. Yeah, I would say that's like 50-50, maybe 60-40. Um, we do get a lot of investigations, though, where we do have a lot of disembodied voices and stuff like that and some stuff that moves. Not as not as often. You got to remember some of these shows, man. They, they're, they're filming for like a whole week, like seven days, and then they pick out parts whatever they want you to see. But yeah, I tell you what irritates me the most with a K2 is that when somebody, you know, you, you try to put the K2 down and then have everybody back off from the K2. The reason being is because 
somebody's cell phone can trigger that K2. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever had that happen on investigation or not. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's one of the things is we'll get into it in another podcast, but there's certain, I would like to say, mannerisms or best practices uh, certain teams or investigators do to try to have what I call a clean environment when they go to do an investigation. And if you don't check your boxes and cross your T's and dot your I's for everything, one little hiccup can throw everything askew that you literally just spent all night working to try to find a definitive answer or to give you something to lend credence to something else that's going on. And it gets frustrating sometimes. Uh, I've definitely been that was there. That's real, real frustrating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> me, me and Dalton definitely been there where uh, we did joint investigations with other teams where we traveled across the country. And uh, lo and behold, you know, we think we're good to go. And somebody has a cell phone on their pocket that's turned on and we start getting activity. And so we're presuming that, hey, and that's not the case. Come to find out later. And it's like, really? <laughs> you know, and nobody wants to put their hand up and say, oh, I'm sorry, or that was me because A, embarrassment, and B, you know, everybody's there for the same reason is to experience what normally no one's supposed to experience, but also figure stuff out. So, and I'll go and I'll go into a, another tool since we're talking about cell phones. Um, and, and, and just to end that real quick, I do, I do have like everybody. I've learned my lesson on that. So when I put the K2 down, I just have everybody stand a good five or 10 feet back. Um, because you, you can always tell, like I had a guy real quick. I had a guy, he was standing close to the area and all of a sudden we're getting it. What irritates me is we're getting communication. So the entity, the spirit, I'm telling them to put it on the second green light or the first yellow light. And it's doing exactly what I want it to do. And I'm in the middle of a question and a thought process. And all of a sudden it peaks to the red. And I look over at the dude and I go, did you just get a text or something? He's like, yeah. I'm like, could you back up, please? Because <laughs> you just, you just blew. <laughs> you just blew like 20 minutes worth of talking to somebody trying to get answers. And luckily it got quiet for a good 30 minutes. And then the, uh, you know, the communication fired back up. Luckily you, sometimes it doesn't, which that's where you've been standing there all this time. And that one little thing can just throw a wrinkle in it all. But, um, talking about cell phones, there's another tool I use and I like using, it. I don't know if I'm, I'm pretty sure you've used it too. It's called ghost radar. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it's a fun little, I, I, I call it a novelty, uh, uh, app that's fun to use. But now, now you say an app, see like people, and it, it, it is listed as a toy. <laughs> just say. Hence novelty. So it's a Ouija board, right? <laughs> N- right. So, so, <laughs> so Ouija board is listed as a toy and it really works. But anyway, that's, that's another deal. But, but ghost radar is listed as a toy, but how many times have we pulled that ghost radar? I think it, what has, has 2000 words, 2,500 words or something like that. Yeah, they, how many words do you think? I've, I've utilized it anytime recently. I just know that the, the overall Rolodex, as I call it, of words, uh, it's shifted around multiple times depending on the version you get and so forth. But the way uh, the ghost radar app works for anybody that's unfamiliar is basically it's nothing more than an app you turn on your phone. Uh, besides turning it on or quote unquote changing, I believe the sensitivity from the last time I used it uh, eons ago, 
that's it. And maybe some dots appear on the screen. But the thing about the device is it's supposedly hard-coded <clears throat> with X amount of words, like a definition listing of just a bunch of words, not necessarily the phrases or explaining words, but just flat out words, you know, think of North, no names. just think Northeast, Southwest, yes, no, just descriptive words. And the, uh, the theory behind it is you do nothing more than just let it sit there and run. And then you just have your normal conversation, do whatever you want for investigating. And then words will just pop up. And you know what I call it? I call it the cheap ovulus. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you know the ovulus does this, doesn't the ovulus the ovulus? If I'm pronouncing that right, doesn't it do the same thing? Like it just pops up words. Yes. In the ovulus, it does. Uh, right. It, so instead of instead of paying like a hundred bucks for an ovulus, I paid what ninety nine cents for this app, uh, and it pretty much. Yeah, and. Uh, they, the Ovulus is another paranormal device uh, that is on the market, uh, probably still is. And, but this is an actual device that is actually has a memory chip in it and that's hard coded of words versus just a software app. Um, so the Ovulus you could actually carry around with you and uh, utilize it the same way. And I've actually used it before very successfully. Very successful. Well, you can you can tote the ghost radar with you on your phone, and it does have. I I use it all the time actually, and the reason being is because it does have a rolodex of words. Like it can say cat, dog, train, horn, green, yellow. I mean, it's got a full rolodex of words, kind of like the Ovulus does, and but it doesn't have any names. There's not supposed to be any names, so if a name pops up, then you know. Obviously, something's communicating with you. Now, as far as little dots on the screen or whatever, I don't know. Never tested the theory of those, you know, I, I think that's part of the actual toy. But for the spirit to actually manipulate the phone, and I don't know how many times I've tried to tell people, like one guy, for instance, one guy was very skeptic about it. And he, we were in his office. This is just me. <clears throat> Actually, I was fixing his AC unit, to be honest with you. And I come down to the office, and he started telling me, you know, oh, uh, I hear you're in the paranormal. Of course, you know you get that all the time when people, they all got a story they want to tell you. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, my dad passed away, and I, I have a feeling he's still in the office. And so I said, well, let's, let's find out because I was – sensing something you know i was kind of feeling something and so i pulled up my phone he goes what's that and i said i'm gonna use this little radar i use and you know we'll see and he goes well that's just an app on your phone i said yeah but let's let's just see because i've had some pretty good luck with this thing and yes it does spit out single words but like the obvious you got to do kind of the same thing you got to kind of figure out what the meaning is behind that word like what they're trying to tell you mm -hmm. so anyway Anyway, I, I said, all right, let's try it out. So I set this phone down on his desk right in front of me. Okay. And I sat back in the chair. And I was like, <clears throat> if there's anybody here that wants to communicate with us, you know, I did the, the opening speech, my name, his name. And the first thing out of it, now out of all the words that this thing could choose, the first thing out of it was knife. 
Really? Yep. And so I look at him and I go, knife, okay. And the second word was white. So at first I'm kind of thinking, I wasn't paying attention to the guy across from me. I was just kind of thinking to myself, okay, knife and white, where are we going? Where, <laughs> where are we, what are we, what are we talking? Is this random or what are we, you know, I'm thinking to myself, what are we doing? And I look over at him and he has this ghostly look on his face. He's just in awe. He's just like, wow, dude, you can cut that off. And I said, dude, it just got started. We just got started. He goes, no. <laughs> He's like, cut that off, man. Just cut it off. I said, okay. I cut it off. And I said, why did you have me cut it off? I didn't notice this, okay? And he points down at the desk right within a foot from my phone. Guess what was sitting there? A knife really? with a white handle. Wow. And he said that was my dad's knife that he always carried with him in his pocket. That's what he used. Hmm. So I, so I, you know, I always, cause I always joke with people kind of like the lady at, you remember we did Ashley's, uh, in Rockledge there. Rockledge where? Uh, Ashley's was it Ashley's restaurant or whatever that was. That building sat right on the train tracks there was it Ashley's. Okay. Uh, yep. I believe so. <clears throat> yep. Anyway, they had that fire that one time and we were upstairs where that fire was. And it kept like I put the ghost radar on it. It said hot burn, and then all of a sudden the chick was like, "Oh, my arm feels like it's burning." So anytime it does that, I always look at people and I go, "It's a toy, though. Remember that. <laughs> like remember, it's just a toy." But out of all the words that it can speak, it's actually talking about the investigation. So the you know you figure it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything is you know, in the paranormal world, this is the best way I can uh, surmise my experience and, and just put it out there. I used to be very analytical, logical, matter of fact, black and white thinking, and scientific, and that's it. And it didn't make a difference what you showed me or what you, what you referenced or what you pointed to. If I could not have it make any sort of sense for a baseline... I, I just was like, okay, that's that's your opinion. I respect it, but okay, thanks. <laughs> and <laughs> when when you become an investigator with a paranormal, and if you are lucky, and I emphasize the word lucky, to have a an experience, or maybe two or three experiences, um, that's uncommon, but. Over time, you start having more experiences. And those experiences, what I mean by that is maybe hearing a voice, maybe seeing something, uh, maybe being scratched. There's multitude of things that can happen. All of my experiences, I'm not going to say made me a believer, but made me realize there is way more to life than anything I've been ever able to read anywhere to give it credence. And it changed. And and you can, you can like, and that's when we talked about the last episode. I think it was the, I think we talked about it in both the ep last two episodes, but, and that's where you become more open-minded. Yes. So yes. it takes that first. So let's look at it this way. And my mother, bless her soul. She always thought like this, this is, she didn't want to know about nothing 
she didn't want to know about anything that I'm doing. Right. Okay. So, um, she just flat out believe heaven and hell. She's going somewhere. You know what I mean? There's a God, there's a devil, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm going somewhere. I don't want to know about people hanging out, you know, in what may be called purgatory or, or whatever. I said, no, it's not like that. But anyway, long story short, um, I was in the house one time and my daughters were with me and, and, uh, my daughter's, my youngest daughter, she has a gift that I had to shut off. I haven't heard lately if she's had any issues, but, um, uh, now just real quick, just to jump in there. When you say gift, what are you referencing? Um, she can actually see. So she used to, when she was younger, of course, remember what I said about younger kids, they're more open-minded. Okay, um, so you're she talking actually, like, like see, uh, like she's shadows, the shadow figures. Or, uh, the, okay. Yeah, she can. Okay, so, um, like I can hear things. Um, she sees things. Okay. And so, anyway, so I was standing in my mom's house, and I was like, "Oh, my my chest, you know, is tightening up." I was kind of rubbing my chest. We were talking about. A friend of mine that I, when I was a kid, he taught me how to roller skate and he died on a motorcycle up in Illinois. Uh, sorry to hear. And so, yeah, he was a great guy. His name was Dave. He was actually Elvis Presley's friend in the military. He actually had golden platinum albums that Elvis, because Elvis didn't have no more room. So he gave them to Dave and Dave hung them on his own wall. You know what I mean? It's kind of crazy, but. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, he was a cool cat. Um, but he, he, he was the only thing he had was a motorcycle. It was winter time and he wound up sliding under a car and it, and it, and it killed him. So mm. every year, every year on his, on his, it was either his birth date or his death date. My mom would have my sister go down and put a rose on his grave for him every mm. year without missing a beat. So my sister, um, she wound up moving down here. Um, and she was staying with my mom for a while. And anyway, we were there and we were talking about Dave and everything started, all my senses started clicking, click, 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 you know? And so my daughter says, well, you're sensing something. And I was like, Shh, you know, be quiet. Cause you know, my mother, she don't want to know nothing like that. Right. So my mother looks at me and she goes, what are you sensing? And my other daughter goes, he's sensing a ghost. And before I could say anything, I had my I had my uh, my box with me with all my stuff in it, mm -hmm. and we'll go back to the K2 meter since we're talking about equipment. Um, she brought the K2 meter in the room. <clears throat> so long story short, K2 went off. It went it went down. Didn't do anything. I moved to the other side of the bed. It went off. And it was like this entity was moving around. Again, ghost radar, right? This toy that everybody calls it a toy. But I turned on ghost radar. I put a flashlight over on a chair and I put the K2 meter right by, not by the phone, but like within six feet or so of the phone. Cause I think we measured it out like anything over five feet. It doesn't really read the signal. It won't catch the signal of the cell phone. So I moved it like six, seven feet out, put the K2 down. Of course we didn't get any flashlight activity, but we did get some K2 hits. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> the uh, 
the the ghost radar came up with the word skate. And at first, I'm not thinking straight. I'm just sitting there going, skate, okay, skate. Because this is back when I was, you know, probably seven, eight, nine years old or whatever, when I used to roller skate. And Dave, yeah, so he taught me how to skate and stuff. And uh, so anyway, it. long story short, it threw up a couple more words. And my mom looked at me, and she had looked like, you know, we were in the dark. But there was some light shining on her, and I could tell she was – looked like she was crying and I was like are you okay and she's like yeah and she looked at me she goes I can't believe this is all happening blah 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 do you know who that is and I said no I don't don't got the slightest idea but obviously he's here or it's here and she goes that's Dave and so I'm not going to finish the story I'll finish it another time but my point is she became a believer And so her mind, so we're getting back to the open mind, right? So when you're not, this is my point, because after she became a believer and aware, now you you remember they came with us to Casadega, both her and my stepdad, they both came with us to Casadega. Where's Casadega at again? Casadega, Florida. Okay. (laughs) And you remember they came there and, and then, he was kind of tripping out because he was talking about the slaves coming up from South Florida. They walked up to the North and all the flashlights were going off and all. So they both became believers. So now here's what happens. Your mind is open. Now it's, it's not open all the way. It's not open. Like we're open because we've been doing this for so long. Our mind is like open. So you're talking like a water faucet, like barely turned on, but it's a little trickle, right? Right. Right. So, what happened was after the Casadega, after so after the little bit of the house experience, then after Casadega, they went to her classroom reunion up in St. Louis, and they, they this picture is on the Theory of Paranormal Facebook page, I believe. There's three of them, but Dennis was trying to, my stepdad, he was trying to get the the uh, the phone. To, the flash to work on the phone it wouldn't work so he just kept taking pictures okay. and lo and behold they they picked up a full colored apparition of a woman walking behind my mother and her friend get out of here no way and, yes sir and so she sent me the picture she goes oh my god look at this so my point of that is that they're open-minded now you know they've been opened up to this and now they're actually seeing it so with you is like me is that we don't like we said before we don't sit there and go oh that's fake or whatever i'm not worrying about it because no we're going what is that and we run to it but our mind keeps over time your mind keeps opening up and and then that's how your experiences grow and then you start to hear those little words you might not have heard before or you look at a photo and you automatically see that full colored apparition or that shadow figure or that face in that picture. You know what, you know what I'm saying there? Definitely. Uh, just to lend to uh, what Don's talking about, for instance, with the ghost boxes, um, the spirit boxes, uh, or utilizing uh, the ovulus uh, or the SB7. Um 
excuse me, let me rephrase that, the PSP7, they all throw out words, uh, either audible-wise or written. And here's the interesting thing. Over time, in the middle of it normally, you don't really get to make sense of it. A lot of times, I would, for me personally, I would say 95% of the time, it doesn't make sense. Now, the next day, when you go to review everything, you're going to start seeing patterns or things that make sense. When you look at a catalog of 80, 95 words, if you're lucky, and then you're going to be like, wait a minute, look at this. You know, hypothetically speaking, well, the major event that happened back in the day, unfortunately, with the surmise of someone that passed away or whatever, or the, you know, the death or the dueling or whatever was on the north side of the property. And right here, you look, it says north, and then later, later down the list, it says property, you know, and you start piecing stuff together and you're like, get out of here. The brain is automatically hardwired to want to make sense of things. It's an innate, natural ability that your brain does. For instance, if you're sleeping at night or attempting to and you have a fan on or you have a noise in the background, your brain will play tricks on you, making you think sometimes that you're hearing talking or you're hearing words or different things because your brain is interpreting those frequencies and trying to make it make sense to you so that way it becomes logical. The reason why I bring that up is this. All of this equipment, it's to be used with a grain of salt and it's to be used as an assistant compared to going into a situation with already having gleamed information by doing research prior. Uh, these devices are nice to have. You know, there's a plethora out there. There's tons. But at the end of the day, with what me and Dalton do, uh, privy to maybe some natural gifts that me and him both have, we utilize them and we acknowledge what, in turn, they give us information back to us. But it's not the holy grail of the fact that, hey, it said this, this is it. And that's something I want to caution everybody on is equipment is just that. It's there to give you extra insight if and when it does. Uh, and I'll, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something too. I, I would rely on a digital recorder probably before. Now, like I said, that ghost radar is very unique and I'm not trying to, you know, throw them a prop or tell people to go buy it or nothing like that. I'm just saying it is a tool that I use. And it does work. And um, I know there's probably some people are going to listen to this and probably laugh a little bit, but that's fine. It worked for me. It, you've seen it work. Other people have seen it work. But I still would go play back a digital recorder because when you hear, like you didn't hear nothing during the investigation and you play it back and all of a sudden that voice comes through on your, on your recorder. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's undisputable. Yeah. And, to me. And it, well, it, it is undisputable. If you point blank ask a question, okay, and let's just say you throw a question out there that's very simple. Like, 
you know, uh, are you still around? Yes or no. And then you replay the quarter back and you hear yes or no. Okay, first of all, the odds of that for answering yes or no are 50-50. The odds of being able to get those two particular words to be able to be manifested or come back in a recording right then and there, I can't even do the math on that. You know, <laughs> I'm good at no, math, math, but is... I'm not going to. <laughs> and sometimes, and a lot of times, as you know, it ain't just a yes or a no. It's yes, I'm here, or yes, I hear you. I mean, it, they, they actually talk, you know what I'm saying? So that's why yeah. I said when I use a digital recorder, um, which is one of the tools that we do use. Mm-hmm. Um, when I use a digital recorder, um, I kind of, I kind of play on that a little bit more than I would the obvious, you know, because you know what, I'll be honest with you. Some investigations I go to, I don't really have the patience to sit there and try to go through all the single words to try to, and which it does. Some of them single words do relate to the investigation the next day or the two days later, you'll think about the word and you'll go, Oh crap. This is, this is what it's trying to say. I figured out now. No, but with the digital recorder, that pretty much tells me almost tells me what's going on right then and there at that very moment. I can play that back and then hear the voices. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Without a doubt. Um, And something else that's really interesting, I did a lot of research specifically into recordings, and uh, some investigators will not alter a recording any which way, shape, or fashion. And what I mean by that is is there's a variety of sound software programs out there that you can kind of clean them up, auto-tune them, make them sound less bassy or less high-pitched or noisy or get rid of things. A lot of automated processes can be applied to a, a recorded sound uh, because they don't want to change the integrity of what it is they have gotten. And that's fully fine. And I fully respect their decision for that. Um, I myself, I like listening to raw footage slash evidence. Uh, sometimes my gut instinct says, Hey, there's more here. And what I mean by that is, is you can, from my experience, get a sound where you ask a question and then you play it back and all you hear is and you're like what is that and that's that part where everybody's brain's going oh he said yeah i want a cheeseburger you know or he said yeah this way you know hypothetically speaking whatever or or he said this or that or he said one word so here's the cool thing more times than not by utilizing software programs that are specialized um, for the ones few that I have used, uh, I have been able to take that little garbled sound, slow it down, and I have been able to receive out of that slow down sound either a sentence or multiple words, one after another, that painted a picture that was clear as day almost as if I was talking to you right now, the way you're listening to this podcast. And it was like, whoa, what just happened? And the thing is that everybody has to remember, we have our faculties. We can smell, we can taste, we can touch, we can see, we can hear. 
on the other side, I believe everything is a manifestation of energy. That's it. So when things happen, we may not perceive it as it's being generated or set on the other side. Our devices that we have on this side, as I call it, may not be able to pick things up correctly for multiple reasons, which I won't get into right now. So if and when anybody has software or different things to try to gleam into and see what evidence they have, it can give you a lot more definition and answer. And, you know, with that being said, I can wholeheartedly say for one particular investigation that I did to help the family, the information that I was able to get by sleuthing around on recorded uh, audio files that I, I had um, was able to give definitive answers to things that were relevant to them uh, and their lives that was happening for over a, a year time period. Now, at the same token, I didn't get anything at that particular residence EMF related. I didn't get anything for light play. I didn't get anything for shadows. I didn't get anything for sounds or knocking. I didn't get cold spots or hot spots. But I sure did get three, maybe four max legible recordings that I was able to glean information from and then go back and pose it to the family. It didn't make sense to me. I had no idea. But to them, it meant the world to them because they were able to fill in the pieces in the puzzle and tell me how it was relevant to them. So, and it's weird how it works like that. It does. It's weird how it works. It does. Because you, you can go into an investigation and not get nothing. And you're like, all right, we didn't really get nothing. And I'm always telling people, well, just wait because now we got to go over the the uh, digital cameras that we had set up. We got to go over the camera footage. We got to go over the digital recorder footage. Yep. And to go back to the to the point of the voices, um, a prime, two prime examples of that. Um, one is at St. Albans. I, I mentioned St. Albans um, Sanitarium or whatever the, you know the psych ward or whatever up there in Virginia. Yep. And we, again, I was there with certain people. I'm not going to name drop or anything, but I was there with certain people and we were down in the, the shock treatment area where they used to do the shock treatment on them. And we had mentioned, we weren't getting nothing. We just weren't getting nothing. And so I spoke up and I started talking like, man, I'm, I'm actually kind of hungry. And the guy that I was with, um, he kind of looked at, you know, I guess he looked at me, whatever. It was dark. But anyway, he just said, I wonder what the food was like here. And I said, I bet it sucked. All of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like a you comment through and through there, brother. <laughs> I know, right? So I'm like, I bet it sucked. Well, the K2 lit up like strong, like red, boom, like automatically red. And, it, and so he was like, wow. So I'm sitting there and I go. Okay, are you, were you, obviously are you, did you work here? Nothing. Were you uh you know, 
incarcerated here is I guess the word I want to use. Um, a resident, to be nice. Were you a resident here? And it went strong red again. And so he said something about, man, I could use a good burger with some fries. And it went up, it lit up red again. So long mm -hmm. story short, I said, I said, bro, I could use a fat steak and some mashed potatoes. And you just heard this disembodied voice go, yes. Now, this wasn't played back on a recorder. This wasn't, you know, at that time, this, this was a disembodied voice. If anybody don't know what that is, that's a spirit manifesting enough power to be able to speak in the area that you're in. And you can hear them clearly with your own ear. Hmm. So this is nothing over a recorder or nothing. So, but now that was clear. Like we looked, everybody, you know, we're in, there's three or four of us in there. And I'm like, did y'all just hear that? And everybody's like, yes, we did. And the one guy, I'm not going to say his name, but he's like, I heard a yes. And I'm like, that's what I heard. And everybody's like, that's what I heard. So that was clear. So obviously we played it back on the recorder. We already knew and it clearly on the recorder said yes. So now the second one, uh, this is at our most famous topic that we had the other night or the other podcast, the May Stringer house. Okay. Where's that? Where's the, the May Stringer house at? Uh, Brooksville, Florida. Okay. North of Tampa. So we're investigating with a handful, actually Tracy, that was her. You remember Tracy? Yes. Um, okay. Before that was our her last investigation with us before she moved. So it was cool because this was a cool thing that happened. So I was talking about the uh, the children, the the mel meter again. The mel meter was I looked down at the mel meter. I'm getting a two point four, two point five, whatever it was. And I'm like, all right, we got somebody's. And we were in the in the children's room, you know, where the cradle is, the one that you're not supposed to touch. Mm -hmm. The little crib with the with the old doll, the doll that was like really old, but you're not supposed to touch the crib, the little baby crib for the it's a toy crib basically with a doll in it. So we're in the children's room. And I start talking about long story short, I start talking about you remember the you remember the first daughter, supposedly she fell off the balcony and broke her arm or something. You remember that? Yeah, vaguely. Okay, so the story is if I got this right, and I remember right, because I haven't been there in a while, but I'm, I'm remembering that she fell off. The story is that she fell off accidentally off the balcony, and she hurt herself. She broke her arm or injured her arm or something. Anyway, so I'm talking to the children. Now, it happens to be the children of Frank Saxon. And... Long story short, again, I get into the point where I'm asking, did you push her off the balcony? So this wasn't an accident. If you pushed her, can you bring it down to 1.8? So the millimeter dropped to 1.9 or something. And you're referencing the EMF, electromagnetic frequency, uh, in the environment right now, correct? Yes. She, they are... So the male meter, the zero, the 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 uh, two point four, two point five, is the actual EMF reading. It's not the ambient temperature reading, of course. Wow, that's pretty beefy. Yeah. So she brought it down. 
she or he, they brought it down to 1.9. And uh, so what happened was I kept pushing. Now, you know me, um, we, we always talk about not provoking the entities. But every now and then I got to, I, I'll admit it, I got to just to get the, the answer. You got, I, I got to push that little boundary to get the answer. And so on this instant, there's this loud voice that comes from the room across the hall. And all we heard was, roo, 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 roo. That's, so here it is. It's very clear, right? So we're, I say, did y'all just hear that? And they're like, yeah. So I said, well, let's stop all the gear stop everything, cut off, shut down everything. There was two people sitting downstairs. I went over and asked them, was this your phone? Go off. They said, no. I said, did you hear that, that voice? They're like, we didn't hear nothing. So that's a whole nother conversation of entities allowing certain people to hear smell things and others not to, but they said they didn't hear nothing. So we played it back. And here is an example of where that, technology that you're talking about that software a, a, a good solid software not a cheap one but a good one um we probably could have downloaded that to a laptop and cleared it up pretty quick and figured out what it was saying instead i'm playing back the digital recorder and there's and of course my camera was still going it's kind of funny we were still filming us discussing what this thing just said and I said, I thought it said something. The guy thought it said, finally, the guy that I was with, a friend of ours, he had stated, I hear something about an accident. And at first I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't really hear that. So anyway, long story short, it did say this entity yelled from across the hall and it was, and he even had a weird pitch. It, so what he said was, it was an accident. Like that. That's exactly what how, he said. How do you say it again? It was an accident. Okay. You know, kind of like with meaning. You know, like with emphasis. Like he was mad. Okay, so he said yes. it. He said it, he said it with conviction. Conviction. Yes, that's a good word because he was mad that I was interrogating the kids. So that had to be Frank Saxon, first of all. Interrogating or questioning. Those are two different meetings. <laughs> two different meetings. I don't know. You're you're right. I don't know how you would interrogate a ghost anyway. But <laughs> so in his mind, my questioning, let's just say my quest yes, my questioning would be the proper term. My fault. But let's just say he did not like my questioning and and yelled out from across the hall, which we heard we heard the voice physically in our ear you i've heard the voice but you couldn't make it out you just heard the rumble but you knew you knew what it was you just couldn't understand what it was saying so again the, you know my point was the first one we heard was clear clear as day and you get those and then the second one like you were talking about you just get a, a noise like a mumbling but you know it was a voice so yes the software is a cool thing to have for, for sure. It's definitely a, a good device. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that there, Dalton. Uh, software is definitely a boon to use. 
uh, when you can utilize it with multiple devices to help assist you with uh, the discovery process and looking at results to see what may be beneficial uh, for the investigation depending on what's yielded. So I, I definitely enjoy u- utilizing software uh, when I can uh, just to see what may be, be there. So. Yeah, and and there's a bunch of things we haven't talked about: the floor, the rim pod, the SLS, the cameras, the laser grid, the ion generator. Um, we can talk about all that in another subject. Um, I did want to throw the email thing back out. What was our email info? Something paranormal. Yes, we have a uh, email address. Anybody is welcome to pose questions or correct us if we misspoken anything we're definitely about accountability or if anybody wants to share any images or audio uh, or any anything that they've captured themselves and they just want our opinion we are more than happy uh, to take a, a look at any submissions and uh, give our feedback back um, and if you're going to take photos i gotta say it every time i will say it every time if you take photos and send us photos Make sure you take more than one, take three or four, so we can look at the before and the after, and and then the middle part being actually what you caught, so we can, you know, don't send one photo and go, here's what I caught, because I'm, you know, then I'm going to get in debunking mode, and and it's not it's not fair to the person sending in the photo. So make sure you take multiple photos of the same spot. Yeah, that's definitely uh, good information, um, and that just gives us more opportunities and options to be able to see everything instead of just having one to uh, debate back and forth on, uh, which can definitely be interesting between me and Dalton since we're varied of opinion sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, That's what makes us us, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> but if, uh, if anybody does uh, have any questions, like I said, it's info at theoryparanormal.com. Uh, and you can do your submissions to there. So with that being said, um, we actually did receive an email uh, by an individual. Oh, we did? Yes, we sure did. Uh, by an individual by the, by, the, by the name of Mel. And she actually posed a three-question uh, email three to Three questions. Us. Three questions. Not one, but three. So I Holy guess, smokes, look out. I guess she had a few things <laughs> on her mind that she wanted to know. Um, so, uh, we, well, I like to say, hi, Mel. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Mel. How are you doing today? Um, we're definitely, uh, more than happy to answer this. And, uh, if anybody has any questions, there you go. So the first question, uh, that Mel, uh, posed was what advice would you give kids who can see things and are afraid of them? So, I am interpreting this as maybe the kids may be gifted and can see spirits or entities or other things uh, that we don't have a term or phrase for, potentially. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you lead first there, uh, Mr. Dalton. What's, what's your two cents on that? Well, first of all, um, I'd like to know how old the kid is. Is, it, is the child... Uh, you know, below 10 years old, over 10 years old, a teenager. Um, Cause that, that kind of intrigues me on, it would intrigue me on how old the child is. Like, like my youngest daughter, uh, she was in her early teens, I would say. And 
I don't. There's. There, it's hard to give some uh, even a grown person advice because on one part they might be kind of scared of it. On the other part, they're still intrigued. Um. Or what's the word I'm looking for? They're they're uh, they're interested. You know, they they want to. They why is this? You know, you know what I'm trying to get at. So yeah. yeah, they have that they have that aptitude, that fire of wanting to understand. Yeah, the the human sense is automatically like, okay, I know I'm I'm afraid of it, but I'm also interested a little bit in what I'm what I'm actually looking at. So with my daughter, I can kind of tell her what I told my daughter um, was just try to ignore it. Um, if if you're that afraid of it. The best thing you can do is not show it any attention, uh, just ignore it. So what she used to do was when she saw something at the end of her bed, let's say rolling over, she opened her eyes for a second, something standing there, she just closed her eyes. Or she might go go away, tell it to go away. Um, or she'll just wave at it and be like, hey, how you doing, and go to sleep. But she won't give it a lot of attention, and I don't think, and I try to tell her, don't give it a lot of attention because my opinion, we'll go with the opinions again. My opinion is when you give it the attention it wants, it's going to stick around and it's going to become, it, it'll, it'll be able to do more. So if that makes sense to you. So what you're referencing, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, is you're referencing any energy exerted towards said item or, or entity or whatever the case may be. Um, will play into giving it attention. And so therefore, it potentially can entice or make uh, future future scenarios happen. Right. And also the fear. Um, the fear, um, we have kind of we have kind of shown that fear that the entities can also play off your fear. So, Try to understand that if the if the entity or the spirit is not being malicious in any kind of way. Now, again, I'm going to say it again. This is all of our opinions on this. Um, if the entity is not being malicious, not touching, not doing anything, then try not to show the fear. Try not to do the fear. That I mean, as kids, growing up as a kid myself, I was scared. You know, that that's a normal that's a normal thing. I mean, humans. That's that's your that's your first reaction is fear. The hardest thing is not to throw that fear out there because that energy they'll feed off of that as well. So it's yep. hard to do, but yep, definitely understand that. And I want all the listeners to just imagine this. Uh, I usually go with my first analogy. Uh, so apologize if it puts anybody off, but imagine being in a car driving down the road. You're about to go through an intersection. It's a green light. You're fine. And you're halfway through the intersection and the car to your left decides to run a red light and go right through the intersection. And you're about to T-bone that car and that car escapes by. And at the last second, you slam on the brakes. Now, imagine you being the driver of slamming on the brakes of that vehicle. Think about where you would be in your head. At that moment, where your chest would be at that moment, how you would feel all over your body at that moment, okay? All of that 
going on at the same time. That's energy. That energy gets projected outward all around you from things that I believe in. Now, in the same sense, it doesn't have to be a car wreck or a car accident, but it can be any life's events that can make you push stuff out, hypothetically. And that is what I'm gleaming from what Dalton is talking about, is putting out fear. Sure, it's a descriptive word, and it's something that people can be like, nope, not doing it mentally. But then you have all the other physiological responses, your blood pressure, your eye dilation, you know, quickening of your pulse, sweating, all these different things are a way of manifesting energy. So it's hard to do. It's when you're in a situation, especially being very young, uh, it's, it's hard to get a grasp on it or to understand things. I can actually attest and, and speak for myself uh, when I was a young man uh, under 10. I used to be able to wake up and see individuals standing around my bed and for me, uh, A, I never talked to anybody about it, and B, um, there wasn't a way for me to say this is normal or this is not normal. So it was literally as if my sister came in and said something to me, and I woke up, rolled over, saw her, and just rolled back over and went to sleep. That's how I dealt with it personally at a young age. At the end of the day. And that's a pretty good way. That's a pretty good way to deal with it. Now, for my personal uh, opinion on it, uh, I believe from what I have gleaned from talking to dozens upon dozens of individuals uh, that are gifted, um, who have children, I've noticed there's three types of families. You have one type of family to where nothing ever gets acknowledged, doesn't make a difference who experiences what, who may be able to see something, who may be able to hear something, who may be able to feel energy, doesn't make a difference. Have dreams come true? Whoever it is, okay, hypothetically speaking, being a teenager or child or whatever, their whole life, they don't talk to anybody because they don't want to be chastised, they don't want to have the stigma. They don't want to go to the doctors. They don't want the medications. They don't want problems. So they keep it to themselves. Then there are families who are aware and know lineage-wise amongst the family there may be an aptitude for family members to be gifted. So at a certain particular point in time in their life, rather it's as coming of age, becoming a teenager, or maybe waiting until they're a full-grown adult, then the parents or the grandparents or somebody, maybe a sibling, will have that conversation saying, hey, this is normal. This is part of our family. You know, it's that special little bond communication. The other way I have seen it is there are families that actually embrace it at a very young age, and they're not going to have the cold hard talk with their children saying, hey, do you see, you know, boogeymen? Do you hear things? Not to that extent, but maybe saying, hey, 
I'm thinking of a number. If I'm thinking of a number, what number am I thinking of? And seeing what the children are replying back with. Playing small games like that to gauge the aptitude of the child. But what I'm getting at is, is that the third type of family is the family that fosters or I don't want to say welcomes, but is acceptable and is understanding that there's more going on there than compared to a quote-unquote normal family that's not gifted. And going forward in that journey, they bring that person up to speed and let them know it's normal and okay, but hey, maybe not talk about it in person with friends or bring it up to certain individuals um, except, you know, whoever that person is. And the reason why I... So, I go ahead. No, go ahead, brother. The reason why I bring up these three different family viewpoints is because at the end of the day, how children or kids, let me rephrase that, may handle this is going to be dependent upon the way that gifts, as I call them, are fostered and understood and embraced in the local family dynamic. I've seen it go three ways. Either. Well, like, well, like for me, I've, I've only been one way, like, like none of my family that I know of, mm-hmm. um, you know, has the, has the intuition of, you know, what I do. Um, so for me, I guess I'm family number one. I, I kind of see where you're going. Like, you know, you got one that you got one family that doesn't have a past history and, and the kid doesn't want to talk about it. The right. child doesn't want to talk about it. Right. Then you got the other one that kind of thinks they got somebody that's got gifted and they think it got handed down. Once, once the child opens up and tells the family a little bit, then, you know, and the third one, they obviously know that their past family's gifted. And so obviously the child's gifted and, and they're pretty accepted about it. Right. Um, so I, I would I would say this though I mean I I get what you're saying and I agree with it I agree with those those scenarios I would say what helped me is if if the child can describe again I don't know how old the child is mm-hmm. so if the child can describe what they're seeing to the mother right and that may because, that may help out obviously what's going on um, right because right now this child is seeing something and is scared okay so. What if it's a grandfather, a past uncle, a past loved one that passed away? So if the, so what I would say, Mel, and you can agree or not, Pax, um, what I say, Mel, to do is to try to get your child to describe what they're seeing and see if that person, if they can, if that person uh, sounds familiar to anybody that you know in your family that passed away now it could be somebody further down the tree line in the family history that passed away and you've never seen a photo so at first you might be like no i don't know this person but you might want to ask other family members like your grandparents hey does this person sound you know if i describe this person do they sound familiar to you kind of thing you understand what i'm saying there no i completely do I completely do. Um, <clears throat> and just to jump on your tail coats there, uh, coattails there, my bad. Um, <laughs> it's been a long day. 
long day. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but at least you ain't talking about veal no more. So, all right, we'll go to. <laughs> <laughs> He's referencing a veal comment I made in one of our podcasts earlier. Um, yeah, at, at, at the end of the day, um, the best advice that I could honestly, though, give in reference of, of any kids that are afraid of things that they see is just let them know uh, that you are understanding of that they see things, even though maybe mommy or daddy or the grandparents or the brother or sister, whoever may not have that aptitude or capability and encourage them to let you know when it happens. That way you can track, Hey, what's going on? Because, you know, kids are very impressionable and all parents know that at a young age. And I believe psychologically, I'm probably going to butcher this, but I want to say between the ages of five or six to seven, that's literally when a child's worldviews start developing around them and get hard-coded 100%. I would say even earlier than that. I would say um, well, with the internet, two or three years yeah. old, I've seen, yeah, I've, I've seen children at two or three, you know, reacting to something. Well, um, but what I'm trying to touch base on is, is these situations could paint a picture of why they might be acting out or not want to do certain things that they've always been accustomed to doing, different behavior, different mannerisms, things of that nature. So that's why I would say it would be smart to try to keep tabs on the kids and say, hey, if this happens, let us know. And that way you can just go from there. Um, but also... And, and I'm going to boil it. Go ahead. I was going to say Sorry also, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, also, at the end of the day, you know, reinforce the focus of just don't pay any energy to it, you know, that let them know that you're always going to be there in their lives, that you're there to support them and love them and take care of them. Because that's, if anything, one of the biggest foundations of anything in the paranormal that I've encountered and seen is the conviction of your belief system of what you believe in, which me and Dalton talked about before. You know, that right there gives focus, energy, and power to one's psyche, to one's mental well-being, uh, emotional, uh, mental, and other things. So that's the other thing. And I would just say, to boil all this down for the first question, I would I would one time, one time, um, have them describe what they're seeing um, and don't push it off to, uh, oh, you're just seeing things, honey, don't worry about it. No, get, get a little active with that because I try to tell folks, you know, like, like I, I think I mentioned it before in another podcast that, you know, the parents will sit there and go, oh, they're talking to their imaginary friend. It ain't nothing. And I'll sit there and go, well, what if they are talking to somebody that you don't, you don't, you don't actually know that they're really talking to somebody, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, um, our, our, uh, our advice as a team, um, and I think Pax would agree, is try to figure out what they're actually seeing and who they're seeing, if they can describe them or not, and then try to get them to shut it down. You know, pay them no mind, pay no attention. But if it winds up being a past loved one, and you know that person's description, then I would actually sit there and tell them, whatever you know about this past loved one. So that way that fear will go away that they know that 
okay, this is a family member. It's not just some stranger I'm seeing in the room. And again, I don't know how old the child is. That that plays a big part into it. But but I would say that kind of wraps that. I, that's the best advice that I could do for that. And if it is an individual that nobody knows, period, then it might be associated to the land or it could be associated to uh, uh, something that was brought into the house. You know, uh, it could be clothes, it could be jewelry, it could be furniture, you name it. There's tons of things that can be associated with energy. Um, but That's true. It could be a, could be an item. Yep. But uh, definitely a great question there, Mel. Um, and So what's the second one? The second one is going to be what's your favorite piece of equipment to use? Um, we did already touch base the majority of this podcast about equipment that me and Dalton have used. But if you just want to throw a shout out to something that you like using real quick there, Dalton. Uh, I'm going to go back to what I said in the very beginning, probably the mail meter, because it has a it has a good story behind it on why it was why, why it was created. And it is an actual multi-device tool that's good to have. I mean, we use it all the time. So I, I would say the mail meter okay. is probably my probably one of my favorite, probably probably close to the top three, probably two. I'd say top two. I wouldn't really know what the second one is because, like, I use so much gear, but I, I would say the millimeter is probably, probably it. Okay. My Mine, and, you know, likewise, I touched base on it earlier, it would be a ghost box or a radio box or a spirit box, um, whatever you want to call it, just because of the fact you can get feedback and legible voices. It's one thing to have a flashlight go on and off, an EMF detector, you know, bells and whistles if it makes sound or the lights go off or seeing temperature drops or, or increase, you know, uh, that's always fun. Um, but to be able to have definitive voices come back at you, that's, to me, that's, there's almost nothing better than that except potentially being, you know, grabbed or scratched or hearing voices or even seeing up to an etherical being right in front of you like a manifestation. Um, so. And it's, un, it's undisputable. That's, that's yeah. probably my second That'd probably be my second because it's it's undisputable evidence. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you can you can uh, you know, like on the digital recorder, sometimes if somebody moves or I mean, I'm not to say nothing for nothing. I mean, I've heard my stomach growl on a digital recorder and be like, I had to tag it. That's my stomach growling, you know. Yep. Um. So yeah, the spirit box, Frank's box, or whatever, whichever one you're using at the time. Um. I agree. I agree on that. Okay. Uh, the last question is dicey because it can be <laughs> it can be a hornet's nest of an answer. Uh, we won't jump too big in, but we'll. Uh, the question is uh, bucket list of places you're looking forward to investigating. I think to make it simple for everybody, because I know it's been a long podcast. We're sitting at almost an hour and thirty-seven minutes now. Uh, we'll just go with the top two or two places that you want to investigate, uh, next. Um, I don't really have a top two, but I'm always down for civil war battlefields or my, I, I think my biggest, my biggest, uh, I just like, I mean, everybody goes to like the sanitariums, the hospitals or the jails, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I see a lot of people doing that. You don't really see anybody doing civil war stuff like the octagon hall is a house. 
or like uh, I think one group might have done a famous group. They might have done Appomattox one time. I'm really interested in that place, but Civil War based. Um, I know that you're driven on a certain thing that you've been wanting to do, but I think for me, I'm I'm Civil War based. Anything Civil War, uh, I'm down because to me the jails. The sanitariums, the hospitals, the the schools, all that's kind of played out for me. I've I've been there and done it, but to actually get on a Civil War battlefield or get into a a house that was part of the Civil War and actually take that history and and bring it to life, I think I think that's I'm always down for that next Civil War investigation. Okay, that's always fun. Uh, from what I've investigated with those sites. Um, for myself, I like history a lot. Um, I know that's a horrible pun because everything in the paranormal for the most part is based on history. <laughs> Not everything, but yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but for me, I, it sounds, uh, you know, for me, myself, uh, with America, I like the 13 colonies. Uh, just, there you go. just because it. I, no discrediting any other history before the 13 colonies. There's tons and tons to everybody that was already a part of this land before uh, other individuals showed up. But what I mean by the 13 colonies is just the richness and the heritage of so much going on back when all those places were being developed the amount of energy that was being thrown around with people moving and coming and going, all the different diversities, all the different people that spoke all the different languages, all the different things going on. They were all Mecca hub centers for civilization. And I wholeheartedly believe there's still tons of residual energy at all different places. Like, for instance, I went to Jamestown up in Virginia. Amazing. I loved it walking down a cobblestone road that was literally there back in the day when things were budding up and coming. You can't beat that. And being able to walk into a place that's been there for a hundred years and then another hundred years, <laughs> you know, and it's like the history, the richness. Uh, for me, uh, being a person that um, is intuitive and uh, at times can feel uh, in the environment energy. It's it's special and unique sometimes when I go into certain locations because I am getting more from the environment than just, uh, hey, how you doing? Yeah, can I get a latte or double mocha, frappa, casa, chino, you know, double express whip you know, with extra cream and uh, a <laughs> little bit of caramel drizzle with chocolate on the side. And, uh, you know, call me, you Santa actually drank that crap and call me Santa Claus. <laughs> no, but my whole point is, is that it could be a simple place like a coffee house and to everybody else. It's just a coffee house. But when I go in, I see physically it's a coffee house, but then my senses pick up and it's that much more. So I enjoy going to places with deep, rich history. So, uh, and you can, and you can play that. It's kind of like, that's an interesting, the 13 colonies. That's, 
that's very interesting. That would be something very interesting. I, I would, uh, I would put that second behind. Of course, you know why I do the Civil War stuff, but oh yeah. But the thirteen colonies, man, that would just be. I mean, that's the foundation of America, right? So. Yep. Some some would say yes uh, on that last statement. Um, it, it's it's just something that's always fascinated me, just because of the fact every single colony was different in its own right and virtue for everything that they were doing and what they had at the time and what they were trying to do on certain levels. Um, so it, it's it's just always been a fascination to me, and it probably you know. Not to say I'm biased, but I went to Jamestown as a, as a small, small kid uh, back in the day. So I wouldn't be surprised if that, you know, lend credence to where my fascination came and started uh, with the 13 colonies. But nonetheless, um, that's that's where it's at. So, yeah, the 13 colonies, are, you know, I, I believe they were also known as the, the British colonies in the beginning before they became the. 13 colonies so yeah there's a lot of uh before they declared their declaration or whatnot so yeah that's that's uh that's a whole nother subject there whole nother subject so so with that being said that is all the time that we have today uh we definitely appreciate we'd like to thank mel without a doubt thank you mel for the excellent questions uh most people uh will send in one but mel decided to send us in three Send us in as much as you want. Who cares, man? We're all, it might take us, it might take us an hour to answer it because we do kind of go to left field, but. (laughs) Yep. And if you, uh, if you do have any more experiences with that, um, or you have any other questions, please feel free to, uh, to email back and, uh, we can, uh, go from there. But don't, uh, and don't try to engage either. Don't try to take photos or is anything that you do to engage with this entity, Unless you know that it's friendly, out of, and it, I want to say I didn't want to throw this out there, but I'm going to say you got to kind of watch what you're doing because sometimes they like to play games. But that's yeah. why I always tell people don't try to engage with it; just try to ignore it. Yep. So, as a reminder, if anybody has any questions going forward about anything that we spoke about in tonight's podcast, want to point anything out to us, uh, send us anything as far as evidence goes that you want to have uh, us view and uh, reply back to or just simple questions in general uh please feel free to email us at info at theoryparanormal.com and uh as always don't be afraid to ask questions <laughs>